found in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, if you can go there with me real briefly. While you're finding it, if you could just repeat after me and say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I may hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read a few verses for you today, if you can follow along with me, beginning at verse 1. Uh, and once you got it, say, I got it. Okay, well, let me get it with you. Here we go. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it then says, Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to a word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But a fisherman had gotten out of one out of them, and were washing their nets. Verse 3 goes on to say, And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. Let's get to verse 4. This is what we're going to be dealing with today. Verse 4, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water, and let down your nets for a catch. Verse 5, Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down my nets. For a moment today, I want to continue in this series entitled Follow Me, and I want to deal with today the mental encounter, the mental encounter you may be seated on today. Since we have a lot of guests and visitors with us that have not been with us throughout the whole series, I want to play catch-up. Y'all okay with that? Uh, playing catch-up. You know what happens when you're at school and there's a long break. Uh, something happened in Texas when the snow just barely hits the ground. We shut down schools here. And as a result of it, when we do open things back up, we have to go back and play catch-up. We have to do a refresher course of everything that we've forgotten. So I want to offer today, if you don't mind, a refresher course. We began a new series last week entitled Follow Me. It's a series that is designed after that, those two unique words that Jesus Christ said to individuals who he encountered over and over when he wanted to take them from one place in life to a whole nother place in life. When he wanted to take what little bit they had and turn it into something greater, he simply gave them an opportunity to follow him. And so he reaches out to them and he says, follow me. Well, this time we see Jesus having his first encounter with his first group of disciples, the first ones that are called to the ministry to follow Jesus. And what happens after Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit has transcended upon him like a dove. Uh, he went into the wilderness. He's been tried and tested, put to the fire. Satan has tempted him. He's yet and still overcame. Now he's going. He's sharing the gospel. People are following him. And he comes beside this lake, this lake of Genesaret. We talked about this last week, that there are four encounters that we should look for in order to have a key relationship with God. We want to understand that we have to know why we're following him. We just don't follow him because Big Mama followed him. That used to be a good enough reason. But something happens when Big Mama moves along, then you have to decide, how do I stand? Where is my faith? And my faith was built off Big Mama when Big Mama dies. So guess what? My faith dies. And so we want to understand, I don't want to follow... God, just because Big Mama is following him, I want to maybe be in line with Big Mama, but I want to know that there's something in front of her that I need to have my eyes on. 
So what am I following? How do I follow Jesus? How do I get to know Jesus myself? There are four encounters that we're going to talk about. We talked about one last week. We'll deal with one today, and we'll deal with the other two in the next coming two weeks. The first encounter, which is what we spoke about last week, was the personal encounter. You cannot have a relationship with God until you have a personal encounter with God. What God did for Big Mama ain't going to be enough for you. You have to get to a point in your life where you have an understanding of who God is because of not what you heard, but because of what you've seen God do within your own life. This is what makes your faith strong when somebody tries to get you to doubt who God is. It's the fact that you have something solid that you can stand on. You may can call everybody else crazy, but you can't call my encounter crazy. You wasn't there with me when I was Broke. You wasn't there with me when I needed help. God was there, and it was in my darkest moments that when he showed up and stepped up that I really realized who he is. The personal encounter is the key to understanding why I followed him. If you don't have a personal encounter, then your nine times out of ten are not going to follow him. This is why some of us do follow God through Big Mama because of the fact we have a personal encounter with Big Mama. Big Mama cooks us meals. Big Mama pays the bills. So we have a personal encounter with Big Mama. We know what Big Mama's going to do. So as a result of it, we trust what Big Mama says. But when those dark moments happen and Big Mama is not there, then what do you do? When Big Mama can't get to the phone like she used to, then who are you going to call? Remember the old saints used to say there's a number that they can dial anytime. Doesn't matter where they are, whether they have a phone or not, if they can find a need, they can reach out to the Lord indeed. Amen. We have to get to a point where we allow ourselves to establish a personal connection with God. You wonder why your faith is not stable, not strong. It may be because one of the pillars of your faith, the personal connection, you are missing. You have not taken the time to get to know God yourself. This is where in the Bible is so important to understand that Simon has a personal encounter with God. And we understood last week what this personal encounter in detail, and it showed us how intentional God is. We realized that there were two boats on the scene. Jesus could have got into any one of the boats if he wanted to. By the fact, he didn't even need to get into the boat. He chose to get into the boat. And so we understand that through understanding what Jesus Christ did, we see that he's intentional and he gives us choices. This is what makes your personal encounter so powerful. To understand how intentional God is, he could have chose the second boat, but instead he chose the first boat. We know who Simon is. We know Simon is the, the hard head that told Jesus, I ain't going to let you be put to death. I'm going to let myself die before I let you die. We know Simon is the thug. He pulled a switchblade, cut a man's ear off when they tried to take Jesus. Jesus had to heal the man's ear and put it back on. We know Simon is the one that in the midst of when everything was going on, he denied Jesus Christ three times. But we also know that Simon is the same one that Jesus says, upon you, I will build my church. Let me tell you something, church. It doesn't matter how jacked up, how broken you are. God sees your later rather than your now. He doesn't care what you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with now. He knows if you stay with him, if you follow him long enough, he can turn that nothing into something. So this is what we have to understand. When Jesus strategically picks Simon's boat, it's not an accident. I need you to receive that. I need you to hold on to it. There's nothing that God does in your life that's an accident. Whatever you've gone through, whatever you've been through, whatever you've overcome, it's not an accident. You didn't just happen to make it. 
God is very intentional with everything that he does. And so we see the intentionalism of God because he chose Simon's boat. He could have picked Andrew's boat. But he picked Simon's boat. Why? Because he understood I need to start with the one that I'm going to finish with. And so as a result of it, I want the first one that I pick to be Simon. Because he's the one that's going to have to carry it on after I'm gone. But you have to be willing to see that God is working in your favor. See, the crazy thing is that Simon didn't catch nothing all day. He didn't catch nothing all He could have had a bad attitude that day. He could have said, you know what? I'm done. I don't want nothing to do with this. I'm not, no, you're not getting in my boat. I'm going home. It's the worst day I've ever had. Many of us miss out on our blessings. We learned this last week. We miss out on our blessings. We miss out on our breakthrough. Yeah. We miss out on our next chapter yeah. because of the fact we're giving ourselves a pity party today. Yeah. We're so caught up what didn't go right yeah. that when God is trying to use us in the midst of our mess, we're doing a whole bunch of fussing instead of remaining faithful. And so here it is, Simon just shows us, he teaches us just a little caveat, a little cherry on top of my ice cream Sunday. He teaches us that no matter what's going on in your life, you still have to be willing to say yes, yes. to God. Amen. You can't always walk around with this no spirit because I want you to understand something. Every time you tell God no, you're closing the door on a blessing. Amen. Every time you tell God, I don't want to do it your way today, God, you're closing the door on a breakthrough. Every time you can, you can muster the energy to rebel against God instead of going with God, you are putting yourself further and further away from what God is trying to cause you, call you to. This is why we understand that the personal encounter is so important because not only is God intentional, but he gives you choices. He gives you choices. This is what makes our relationship so wonderful with him. He doesn't want us to be a puppet that he simply controls. Sometimes I wish he would have made Adam an evil puppet and got it right after that. But, but something, he had to give them the same choice. He had to give them the same freedom. And listen, I'll give you everything in the world, but I'm going to put this one thing here that you can't have. Why is it always the one thing that we can't have? It's the one thing that we got to have. We will chase that one thing and lose everything else. We think this one thing is going to complete us when we really don't realize that this one thing will break us. But then this one thing has all power, not understanding that the only reason it looks like it has power because of the power that it has drained from everybody else. And we are willing to give up the power that God has given us for that one thing, the power of choice. We can be mad at Adam and Eve all we want to. But we're still making choices today. And the fact of the matter is the choices that we're making are not the right choices. We can act holier than I. I know we look good today. We ain't got on our street clothes today. They ain't got us on Sunday's best. Uh, but I want to make sure you understand something. It don't matter what you look like on the outside. God knows what's going on on the inside. We struggle with choices every day. That's the humanistic behavior. This is why our relationship is so so precious with God because when you choose to say yes, it just motivates God to understand he's really on my team because he could have said no. Nobody wants somebody just to, to love them because they have to love them, to be with them because they have to be with them. What type of relationship is that? To, to, to know that the only reason that you're married to me is because you feel like you can't do anything by yourself. I want you to be with me because you love me. 
the same type of desire that God has. I want you to be with me because you love me, because you know that I love you. Amen. If you're going to follow God, the first thing that you have to have is a personal encounter. Second thing that we come that we're going to talk about today after you establish a personal encounter is we need to get to a point where we have a mental encounter. Yes. Why do you have to have a mental encounter once you have a personal encounter? The reason being is because once you get to know God personally, the devil is going to play with you mentally. He will begin to try to play all type of mind tricks on you to keep you from following what you have now uh, encountered. He, to keep you from following what you have given yourself to. Because now he's trying to get you to believe that it's, it's not real. God doesn't love you like you think he loves you. God is not there for you like you think he's there for you. Uh, no, life is better without God than it is with God. This is why we have to get to the point of our mental encounter. This mental encounter is the second stage of developing a desire to follow Christ. So amazing that we were preparing for our Wednesday night Bible study, and I prepared this message around Simon Peter, but I went and looked at the Apostle Paul when he had his encounter on the road to Damascus, and we were able to find the same outline in his, his encounter. And you know what? You'll call that an accident. That's a fluke. But then we went on and checked some other individuals. They had the same process as well. Now it seems that this has become a formula to how we follow Christ. We get to know him personally and first, and then we define him mentally second. This is what's happening in the text today, and I want to make sure that you understand this because of the, sec the, the simple fact our mental encounter determines our spiritual outcome. Yeah. I need you to understand that after mental comes spiritual, and, and mental is based off of physical. And if we have a physical encounter, which leads to a mental encounter, Amen. our mental encounter determines where we stand spiritually. Amen. The Bible says, so as a man thinks, so as he. If you don't get your mind right, you can get your heart right and want to do the right thing, but if your mind is always still leading you to do the wrong thing, then you're still on the wrong side of the tracks. I'm going to show you something here in the text that here's Simon Peter after he has a personal encounter with God and he had Jesus Christ asks him to use his boat. He takes him out a little bit. He then is put in a position where he has a mental encounter with God. The text simply says in verse 4 and 5, when he had finished speaking, talking about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he said to Simon, put out into the, into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down my net. I want you to see the importance of this mental encounter, what just happened here. The mental encounter determines how you define who God is in your life. That's something to hold on to. We have to learn how to define who God is in our lives. When we work towards developing a mental encounter, one of my notes simply says, mentally we should all strive to obtain an understanding of two things, who God is and what God wants. Those are the two things. Many of us are worried about how God did this and where did that, that, listen, that's beyond your comprehension. You don't understand it. We'll never understand it. We still don't know how he put the sun, where he put the sun, the moon, where he put the moon, the water. We know what the Bible says. We know the process. But did he just speak and it moved? Did he touch? What happened? We don't know. But at the end of the day, all we need to know is who he is and what he wants. Right. When you know who he is and what he wants, 
It puts you in a better position to serve God in the manner that he desires to be served. So the first thing I want us to understand today, who is he? Peter tells us who he is. He says, Master. That's the name he got. I want you to understand this is his first encounter with Jesus. He was fishing. He was minding his business. He was doing his thing. And here Jesus asked to use his boat. Use his boat. I want you to realize what happened. If he's using Peter's boat, then Peter should be the captain of that ship. Peter should be the master. Peter should be the one that dictates where this boat goes, where this boat doesn't. But something happens. There's a shift that takes place in the text. After Jesus spoke, Peter then, after Jesus spoke to him, he then referenced him as what? Master. Which means now I've been putting myself in a position where I am submissive to you. You're not asking me just to do a favor. Oh, that's a good one. Hold on to that right there. Many of us go through life and we struggle with life because we think we are doing God a favor. Peter might have been doing him a favor pushing the boat out, but the truth of the matter is God was doing him a favor using him. Many of us struggle in our relationship and our walk with God because we think that honoring God is doing God a favor. You forgot that he gave you the breath that you got. You forgot the blood that's pumping in through your blade was his creation. The activities of your limb was a thought process that he put together. And why do you think that when you come to church on Sunday, you're doing God a favor? When you decide to say your grace, the Lord is good. God bless me for this food. Let me eat it. You're doing him a favor. Every day that God does something for you is a favor that you don't deserve. We are so in debt to God that we should be praising him and worshiping him from sunup to sundown because we can never pay back what we owe. Every day. Forget the years that you hadn't. Known him. Forget the years that you've done things your way. I'm talking about the fact that when you really realize that God was God, that God is God, and you still hadn't done right by him. You still hadn't paid the debt that you owe. The debt to simply surrender and sacrifice your life because of the life that he's given for you in the first place. The debt to say, you know what, yes to Jesus and no to sin. We struggle with it because of our selfishness. We struggle with it because we think that, that enjoying life is rebelling against God. Peter, something happened in that boat. He heard Jesus speak. And when he was done speaking, he said, Master. He didn't just say, Sir. He didn't just say, Brother. Homie. There was a level of reverence. Master. You have to begin, if you really want to follow Christ, if you really want to understand who God is and to reach your destiny, to open up the next chapter of your life, once you've had your personal encounter, you need to identify who he is. Master. we got to get to the point where we are not so broken by what has happened to us in life with other people who have had leadership roles over us, with history that has taken place, or things that we've trusted and followed had let down. We have to get to the point at some time in our lives where we're not so jacked up that we can submit Amen. to who God is. Amen. We take it out on God because we've submitted to man 
in relationships. We submitted to wives in relationship, to bosses on job. And when we submit to them, those people let us down. And as a result of it, what then do we do? We take it on God because they messed up. God, I'm not following you either. The fact of the matter is God never asked you to submit to them. Matter of fact, even in the Bible, when he does ask you to submit to them, to, to servants, be, be good to your masters, and all of this in the text, he says, with your work that you do unto them, do it as you're doing it unto me. Do it as you're doing it unto me. He, he reminds us that our reward comes from him. This is why I can go to work without being stressed out about my raise, because listen, whether you give it to me or not, God's going to give it to me somewhere. I, I, don't, I might work with you, but I don't work for you. Yeah, you might be the one that signs my check, but there's somebody that gives you the power to sign my check. Matter of fact, you don't even realize that the only reason you blessed because I'm giving God the credit to bless you. I believe if many of us changed our mindset on, on our workplace, work wouldn't be so stressful. You would stop thinking about that somebody has control of you that has no control over you. Same person that wakes you up, wakes them up. Same reason you got a job is the reason they got a company. Do what you do unto God. He says, Master. He changes who God is in his life. I need us to understand mentally we have to redefine who God is in our lives. Amen. Society has put God on the back burner. We need to somehow find a way to pull him back to the front. Amen. We need to pull him back to the front because of the, the fact of the matter is the very foundation of our families is riding on it. The future of our children is riding on the understanding of who God is. I woke up this morning. It was so so profound. It just hit me out of nowhere. My dad is here. I love my dad. I thank God for bringing my dad to the faith, and I even thank him for putting him in this church. He's a great man of God that, that God has put a connection to me. But if I can be honest, because my dad raised me to be honest, my dad ain't always been a Jesus freak. It, it just didn't happen like that. My mama was, but my daddy wasn't. Can we, can we just be honest for a second? I was raised in a family where three of us was going to church and one of us was staying at home. But somewhere along the way, my daddy found it. That's how I'm just happy my daddy found the way. But the reason I was rejoicing this morning is because this morning I was preparing for service and I was singing my, my worship song and my son came in and he just began to sing the worship song with me. He began to clap his hands while I'm working on the video. He's like, Daddy, I'm going to help you with that part. And I'm like, that's good, son. And somehow out of nowhere it clicked that my daddy did the best he could to help me become better than him. And I thank you, Daddy, because it worked out. But the fact of the matter is because he did something to make me better, now I've done something to make my son better. I don't remember having those moments at home worshiping with my dad. I remember him teaching me how to work on cars. I remember him teaching me how to build things. And as a result of it, I'm a natural handyman now. I naturally can fix things. I love to do those things. I watch one YouTube video, I figure it out, and I'm good to go. But the fact of the matter is the, what my dad gave me physically, I now see that I'm pouring into my son Amen. spiritually. Yeah. And I just asked my wife, I was like, I wonder what his relationship is going to look like with his children as it relates to God. I wonder what it's going to look like. See, some of us, we, we are from that generation, not all of us, but some of us are from that generation that we told our parents, once I get old enough to go to church, I'm not going to church no more. You can't make me. Once I get some wheels, I'm, I'm going to have gas all on my chest. I'm not going. And as a result of it, when we left the church, we left God. Amen. 
Because the truth of the matter is sometimes because we don't take the time to study and know God in our personal life, the church is the only place where we get to know God. So you wonder why do we need to go to church? You wonder why church is so important? Because church is the one place that will not only encourage you, but it will also convict you because you've heard the word of God. The church pushes you to be better. Not because somebody is all in your business, not because somebody is pointing their finger at you, but because something about the word of God changes you. The Bible says, he says, Master, he understands who God is. Second thing he understood, he come to realize, is what God wants. The Bible says that God said, listen, Peter, I appreciate you for what you've done. Do me a favor. Push out a little bit further into the deep. Some people don't understand the, the mental challenge as it relates to what's happening here in the text. The mental challenge as it relates to what's happening in here in the text is because now Jesus is asking Peter to do something that he has already done before. I want to put a pin in that. I'm going to get right back to that. But what I want you to understand is that Peter not only knew who he was, but he understood what he was asking him to do. Forget the fact that he was just asking him to go to the deep. That, that, that's mirror and smoke screen. The true thing that Peter was being asked to do, which many of us struggle with on a day in and day out basis, is Peter, will you obey me? Yes. That's the question that Jesus was really asking. Despite what you've done before, despite what went wrong, if you're calling me master, it must mean that you're going to be willing to obey me. Amen. In order for you to follow me, you have to be willing to obey me. When I ask you to go left, you got to go left. I know you see something that looks cute right, but it's not for you. Please stay to the left. And so Peter didn't even realize that in this moment, like many other moments in his life as he moves forward, Peter was being put to the test. Can I get you to hold on to that right there? Every day that you wake up, there's a test waiting on you. There's a test waiting on you. Now catch this. I want you to realize something. I need you to hold on to it. This test, you don't even have to study for it. The test is very simple. There's preparation through God's word. But the truth of the matter is that there's no need to study. All you have to do is obey. See, God doesn't do like those bad history teachers and put the question in three, four parts and you got to try to figure this thing out like what are they really trying to ask? God makes it plain. He makes it simple. Matter of fact, he's not going to even give you a question. He's going to give you a statement. See, questions let you think about it. Statements, the greatest thing that you always have to do is just follow in line. Point blank, period. You don't have to go around curve to try to get to the answer. You just get to the period. This is what you're asking me to do, Lord. I'll do it. Adam and Eve had, had a statement. They were put to the test. Tree. Don't touch it. Something happened. They began to ask questions. As a result of it, they missed a the point blank period. Not only was Adam and Eve put to the test, Noah was put to the test. Build it. Matter of fact, build it out of gopher wood. I know you like that red oak, but I want you to use gopher wood. I can only imagine what would have happened if he would have decided to use red oak that day. 
Not only was he put to the test, David, Daniel, we can go down the line. Over and over, people were put to the test. So this should help you understand something. Don't feel bad because you're daily being tested. Because guess what happens? When you pass the test, you get the reward. That's what makes me celebrate. That, that's what makes me happy. See, many of us got this thing backwards. We, we steady failing this test thinking because we fail, we're going to get a reward. Isaiah, Isaiah didn't understand how important spelling was. That's one thing my daddy taught me. You're going to learn in school and you're going to get this thing down in your life. And Isaiah was struggling with his spelling words because he wanted to play Nintendo and all these other games, uh, Pokemon, Minecraft, whatever it is. All this he, he was struggling with. And so our grades at the earlier part of the school year wasn't what we liked. It wasn't what we liked. I'm not going to tell you what they was. I'm going to let them keep that dark secret for itself. But they wasn't what we liked. Here recently, the last three Three, four weeks, right back. Three, four weeks. Boy, been coming home with hundreds and hundreds and tens on those spelling words. Yeah. I can't tell you how big his daddy's chest and got. We running around making spelling songs, making sure we pass this thing out. We running around strutting and dancing all around the house because of all we were doing. And he sees that he gets this this reward. He gets to go to the store and he gets to ask for something. He doesn't get denied as much. Walmart still ain't my best friend, but we'll work some things out every now and then. He, he sees that things are being able to take place in his life, and he sees us celebrating more. He's not having to work as hard. If he took the time to focus, all he had to do was do it that one time. And everything else gets better. Many of us wonder why we're still going through the same test over and over. It's not God's fault that every year you're going through the same test. It's not that God's fault that once a year you look back at your life and you say, it seems like I was here last year. The reason is because you keep failing the test. Somewhere in your life, you got to get to a point where you look and say, where did I go wrong? If you don't believe me, you better go read, read the Bible and ask Abram. Abram had to wait several years for what God could have gave him in a day. Why? Because he decided to do things his way. Lied about who Sarah was in his life. Several times. Took his cousin with him. That nephew with him that wasn't supposed to be with him. And then turns around and does what? Then he gets to the point in his life where him and Sarah says, you know what? Just have a baby with Hagar. We'll, we'll make what God has shown us happen. How many times in your life have you tried to make God's vision come to fruition? Try to get to a point where you said, you know what, God? Since you can't do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make this thing happen for me my way. Amen. You show me the picture. I know what you said I can have. So I'm going to make whatever type of deals and bargains that I have to do with the enemy just to get an inch of what you show me. Amen. As a result of it, you fail Amen. every time. Amen. Find yourself in a, the worst example of Groundhog's Day that you could ever possibly see. <laughs> Ending up back in the same place. Over and over again, asking yourself, Lord, why me? Why me? Peter shows us that if you're going to have overcome this mental breakdown and your relationship with God, if you're going to have a true mental encounter with God, if you're going to truly mentally define who God is in your life, you simply have to know who he is, your master, and you have to know what he wants, your willingness to obey. Your willingness to obey. God is not asking you a lot. He's simply just asking you, will you obey me? Why do I need you to obey me? Why does he need you to obey him? Because of the simple fact, if you obey me, then I can trust you. If you're not willing to obey me, I can't trust you. I don't know if you're going to do what I'm going to ask you to do. 
I can't send you the people that I, I need to send to you. I can't bless you the way I want to bless you because I can't trust you to do what I'm asking you to do with what I'm giving you. I want you to understand what's happening in our lives. When God gives us something as a servant, it's not ours. When he places whatever he places in your hand, your children, your money, I know y'all don't want to talk about money, but that's part of the process too. Your children, your money, your marriage, your life, your job, your health, whatever it is that he gives you is not yours. This is why we have to get it through our head. We're not doing God a favor. God has done us a favor by entrusting us with whatever it is he's given us. But what do we do? We look at it and we complain about it. You didn't give me enough money. You should have gave me some smarter kids. He keeps getting no money. I got to find a better job. Everything that he's giving you, you're complaining about. And you're still asking him to bless you. You're the most ungrateful individual I've ever seen. Why would I give you anything else if everything I give you you're going to talk about, I want to show you something about ungrateful. I can testify about myself. When I first got married, I was very ungrateful. I, I thank God and I love my wife again. She taught me a valuable lesson early on in the marriage. I was ungrateful because I was used to paying somebody to cook my food and getting the exact type of food I want. My wife wasn't used to cooking. That wasn't her thing back then. We hadn't had kids yet. She was a single woman. She knew how to pop some stuff in the microwave. Matter of fact, her favorite food was Mexican. She would go to a Mexican restaurant. But when she got married, she had a desire to cook. She wanted to cook for her husband. I needed that. You know, I wanted that food. I was used to some good home-cooked meals. And she was cooking. She was trying to cook. And, and things weren't tasting exactly how I was used to them tasting. And I didn't understand. My dad didn't educate me. That son, you just got to close your mouth sometime and go through this thing. You got to listen. You got to push through this. She didn't get to it. You, you get either look, she going to get better or you going to get used to what she got. It's one, one way or another. It's going to turn out that time. And I remember one time in my life, I lost my job. I lost my job. So I didn't have the money to spend and go buy food and do what I used to do. So I had to get home and I had to eat what she cooked. And I remember one day that I complained about what she cooked. Didn't have a job. Couldn't put no money in the, in the bank, no food on the table. And here it is, I'm complaining about what she cooked. Spaghetti wasn't my favorite thing. I wanted cheese in it. She didn't put cheese in it. And I was complaining about how she cooked the spaghetti. I don't know what happened and triggered in her life. But it seems like for weeks, she just stopped cooking. And look, after eating enough noodles, spaghetti, however you want to make it, tastes good to me. I eat whatever meatloaf. You have. She basically said to me, I'm not going to waste my time preparing something for you if you're going to be ungrateful. The reason why many of us have not walked into our next level of blessing because we're ungrateful for the blessing that he's given us now. Can I get y'all to understand that? Did you forget the moment that you were complaining and crying to God for a job and now that you didn't got the job, now you want to complain about this can't be the job that God has for me. The fact of the matter is it's the exact job that you asked God for and he's given it to you. Now you need to ask yourself, God, what am I supposed to be doing here to get to where you want me to be? We get caught up in our own feelings, being ungrateful. God says, I need to be able to trust you. And in order for me to trust you, I got to know that you're willing to obey me. And the only reason I know that you're willing to obey me, if you see me for who I am, your master. Be grateful for who I am. I left a pen somewhere. I want to rewind and get back to that pen because God didn't just ask Peter to do anything. He asked Peter to do something Peter thought he already had the answer to. Can I get you to understand that? 
he asked Peter to, to think within himself, will you obey me even when it makes you think that your way is not the right way? I can touch some women on the shoulder. I love y'all, but if I can be honest, y'all got more power than y'all realize y'all have power. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is some of y'all have not yet caught a man or had a man, lost a man, because of the way that you got the man wasn't the way that God told you to get the man. I'm sorry. I just want to be honest. I can't, I, I'm sorry. Can I, can I just tell the truth? I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt nobody. Feeling. Please don't get up and walk away. I'm, I'm simply saying that sometimes you have not received the reward, the ring on it, as Beyonce would simply say, because because of the simple fact you ain't get it the right way. And some of this case is, some of you going to get a ring, but it's going to be the wrong ring. I, I just need you to understand something. God ain't never asked nobody to make a deal with him. The truth of the matter is, when you find peace within God, you'll find peace on earth. The Bible says that he has the power to give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. So that means when you have a, a misunderstanding about your feelings of loneliness, get with him. He will give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. We have to get to a point, and I want you to understand, I love I love everybody, but I want you to understand, I bring that up because that has biblical reference, and it's a struggle because y'all fail to realize some women, some sisters, not all sisters, I know y'all say sanctified sisters up in this building today, but I want to remind y'all, y'all take this back and share this with y'all friends, y'all share this with y'all friends. Some sisters struggle and don't realize why they struggle Amen. to be with a man, Amen. to be in a relationship. Amen. They, if you just read Genesis, you will find that because of the sin that was in the garden, yes. God said himself that you were long for the love of your husband. Amen. You don't realize that what you're going through that you're complaining about is a curse that only he can remove. Yes. That only he can solve. Yes. Truth of the matter is, if you study your words, you'll be longing for a lot less on the outside because you're going to get a lot more on the inside. Amen. God can't give you what he got for you until he fix you to where you need to be. And the truth of the matter, if I can tell y'all something, ain't nothing wrong with being single, because I can promise you this, let me help There's some married people that don't want to be married, and there's some single people that want to be married, and you think that once you get married, it's going to fix everything, but the truth of the matter is, it may not. The truth of the matter is, you got to be satisfied with where you are. Do you not realize that tomorrow is not promised to you? Do you not understand that you have to find joy, peace today? Because if you can't find it today, you're probably not going to ever live in it tomorrow. You have to get to a point where you realize that, you know what, God, I just want to be happy with you today. Forget the fact that I'm not in marriage. Forget the fact that I don't have a million dollars. Forget the fact that my car broke down yesterday and I got to tow another one and get this one. Forget all that, God. I just, I want to be happy with you today. Amen. This is what Peter says. Peter said, I'm going to be happy with you today. This is why he says, Master, I've told all night. i worked at this all night. I'm a fisherman by trade. This is what I do. I don't need no fish GPS. I'm a fish whisperer. I done did this all night long. And I ain't caught nothing. Me, my brother, the other boats that I got around the corner, all of us have done this. And none of us caught nothing. But he says to Jesus, because you said, I'm going to do it. Many of us have to get to the point where mentally we understand it may not make sense to us. But because he said it, is why we're going to do it. 
And it's the fact that it, it, us moving off of his word is what empowers us to be able to receive whatever God has for us. See what happens here. This is what happens in the text. This is what happens in the text. Jesus tells them, he says, yes, I will. And then he goes out to the deep. I want you to understand something. Why? This is beyond just going back fishing again. Anybody can go back and fish again. The, 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 the issue is, the issue is, he asked him to go to the deep. Amen. I want you to understand, they didn't have nets like we have nets today. They didn't have pulley systems like we had pulleys today. Their nets were uniquely designed to, to be big enough to where they could go to a certain part of the shallow water, throw the net down with the weights on each end, drop the net, it would sink to the bottom, and what would happen, they would pull the drawstring. And what would happen, the bottom would collapse, trapping all the fish in, and they would pull it up. He's asked him to not do it in the shallow water. He said, go to the deep. Now, I have a problem with Jesus asking him to go to the deep. The problem is, his neck won't reach the bottom. And the problem is, if his neck won't reach the bottom, then it does not have the ability to trap the fish to bring the fish in. This is my struggle. This is why I believe Paul said, Jesus, I did this all day. I did this all night. It didn't work out for me. But yet still, I'm going to do it because you're asking me to do it. I don't know if Paul was just, I mean, Peter was being obedient or if he was being sarcastic. But whatever it is, he did. Amen. And the thing was that happened, and we'll get to this some tomorrow when he did it. The Bible says that he, he caught so much fish, he could not bring it in. I don't even want to talk about the blessing yet. Amen. We'll deal with the blessing next week. What I want to talk about is how did the impossible become possible? I fished all day. I fished all night. I caught nothing. You put me in an environment where this shouldn't even work. I don't even have the right tools to fish here. And you put me here, and now the impossible has become possible. Why? Why did the impossible become possible? Because simply your obedience unlocks the impossible. Your willingness to know who God is and your willingness to obey God. This is why people don't understand why some of y'all are blessed the way y'all are blessed. This is why people always got their mouth on y'all, wondering why, how they get it. God, why you work on their behalf? Don't even know that the only reason I didn't got it, I ain't worked hard. I ain't talked to nobody that you ain't talked to. But I knew and I knew who God was and I obeyed what God asked me to do. And as a result of it, I received exactly what God has for me. You can talk to the mayor, the congressperson, whoever you want. All I need to do is talk to Jesus. They came to the point where they began to, they said, you know what, I know who you are, I know what you're going to do. And as a result of them obeying, it was like a key that unlocked the impossible. Forget the fact that your neck can't reach the bottom. Don't worry. I'm going to put you in a place where all you got to do is throw the net and the fish are going to jump right into it. I, I want you to understand, you got to say, if you can begin to obey me, I will make the impossible possible. I know you need a job. If you begin to just talk to the right people about me, I promise you I'm going to put you in the right place with the right person that's going to have a position for you. And because of your personality and the fact that you are a Christian believer, it's going to, the job going to jump right into your neck. You wonder how you got that job that you never put a resume in for? It's simply because I put you in the right place and you did what I was asking you to do. But the fact of the matter is many of us are missing our blessings because our mouth is fixed to say no versus yes. Why does our mouth say no rather than yes? Because of the fact that even though we personally know who God is, 
we have not mentally came to grips with who God is and what God wants. The minute that we become to the point that we mentally understand who God is and what God wants, no matter what the world is going to call you, God is going to call you his child. Amen. No matter what they're going to say about you, he's going to say that my good and faithful servant. But the only way you're going to get that title, the only way you're going to get that title is if you're willing to submit and give your life to God. If you're willing to put yourself in that position and say, you know what, I know who you are, and I'm willing to do what you're asking me to do. I'll leave you with this as we begin to close today. I remember growing up uh, in school, I, I loved playing football. I wasn't a good basketball player. My church knows that. Uh, I'll whoop you now in basketball. I got a wicked three. Don't, don't get it twisted. I'm going to figure this thing out. But I love football. I love football. I went to Fred F. Lawrence Middle School in Pleasant Grove. Had a coach named Coach Giles. Coach Giles had uh, these two boys. Back then, they used to pound kids. Y'all kids now, y'all don't get pounds. Y'all don't know what y'all missing out on. How many just kept your daddy off of you sometimes? I, I'll take a good round of instruction at school before I get that belt at home any day. Uh, but here it is, here it is. Uh, this, uh, my coach had this, these two panels, he called it uh, the board. He called it the board of institution and the rod of correction. Those, those were his two boards. Uh, one of them had those waffle holes in them, and I hated, I hated the ones with waffle holes in it, because it's just the air just flow. Y'all know that one. It, the air flows through it, and it just sucks everything up in it. I, it, just, it I, I, I did not like that one at all. And people used to make fun of me all the time, because I was the coach's pet. I, I, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm going to be Coach Giles. I'm going to be his running buddy. Listen, he want me to go get that powder. I'm going to go get that powder for you right now, Coach. I stay next to Coach Giles on a regular basis. Nobody liked that on the football team. Uh, but I made sure I did it because I wanted to make sure that as long as I held those rods in my hand, I never had to fill them on my behind. Because as long as I was doing what he asked me to do, I never had to feel it hitting me upside my head. This is what I want to tell you, man. The word of God is, is the same as that rod. As long as you hold it in your hand and keep it in your heart, it'll never have to work against you. It'll always work for you. But you have to be willing to keep it close to you. I never had to feel the rod of that paddle once I got the game. And once I got close to Coach Giles and I kept them paddles in made Because just having them in my hand was a constant reminder that whatever he asked me to do, I need to do it. I don't need to fuss. I better not cuss. He asked me to bird crawl, I better bird crawl and know how fast he wants to get it done. It reminds me because I've seen it over and over. The reason why many of us are failing in our lives because we don't see what God is playing as far as This is not just a book of rules. It's a book of promises. This is, this is a book of promises of what God will do for the people who are willing to connect and commit themselves to them, to him. You have to be willing to wrap yourself in God's blessing in order to receive God's blessing. Amen? Amen. Can we stand around this place as I pray for you today? Amen. Father God.